Welcome to the Taking the Leap podcast, where you can learn how to launch your full-time career in this part-time gig economy. No matter what career you're in, you have the potential to be the best version of you and overcome whatever obstacles stand in your way. And now, here's your host, the CEO of Bonvera, Bob Dickey. Welcome back to Taking the Leap Podcast. I'm your host, Bob Dickey, and I am so excited to have a good friend of mine in our virtual studio today, coming from the great state of Texas, Ann Byler. And let me give you a little bit of background of Miss Byler here. Now, for those of you who have traveled around the globe and you've walked through a mall, uh, you have walked through an airport and smelled the most delicious, unbelievable concoction known to man, you have probably walked past a world-famous Auntie Anne's Pretzels little shop, you know, it, it, full of dough and salt and incredible butter. My family, we, that when we go to a mall, that is where we ultimately go as all the kids want to make sure they get a uh, an Auntie Anne's Pretzels. And we have none other than the founder of this billion-dollar global enterprise, Ann Byler, coming from Texas, uh, to our studio today. And so, Ann, thank you so much for taking time out of your busy schedule to be with us. You know, we've had the opportunity to, to participate, and uh, you've been part of conferences that I've held in the past with, with Crown, and uh, your story is so encouraging, and we, we couldn't be more pleased to have you be a part of this program, so thank you. Well, Bob, it is my pleasure, and uh, just when I got the invite from you, I'm like, of course, I want to do this uh, podcast with Bob, and thanks so much for, uh, for having me on your show. Well, it's our honor, and I know uh, our listeners are really going to enjoy learning a little more of your story. I mean, it, we at uh, Bonvera and on Taking the Leap podcast, we really celebrate entrepreneurs and the entrepreneurial journey. Our listeners are really wanting to glean and learn insights from other entrepreneurs, um, and specifically how they got started, uh, their their background, and the, the challenges that they overcame uh, to you know build their entrepreneurial pursuit, their their, their business. And you know your story just really resonates with me, and I, th- and I know is going to resonate with our listeners uh, today as well. And I'd, I'd, I'd really like to just kind of uh, go all the way back to the beginning, Anne, and have the listener uh, learn a little bit about your background and how you got started. I think sometimes you know, you know young people maybe coming up through the ranks today feel like, oh, I want to go into business, or maybe I like to go to business. You know, I, I need to you know go to a, a great business school and I've got to get all, all of this training and, um, and, and even then they don't really know what to do. You took the road less traveled and you're like, no, I'm not going to go to business school. I'm just going to start a business. And, and not only did you start a business, but you had a spectacular success. But I know, you know, success isn't instant, right? It took you some time. It didn't just happen overnight. So can you take, take some time and just share with us your journey. Why did you start a business? When did you get started? I'd like to learn a little bit more from you. Well, you know, I think you might, uh, I, I think you know this about me. I mean, I didn't go to business school and growing up in the Amish community, I didn't go to, I had no formal training. I went as far as the eighth grade and is what the Amish and the Amish Mennonite community still uh, do to this day. So you go to eighth grade and uh, you quit school. So I'm not a high school dropout. I never even went to high school. And uh, so my story, uh, Bob, is really, it's, it's a story of hope. Mm-hmm. It's a story of like 
thinking outside the box. It's a story about thinking, if you think you can, then you probably will. If you think you can't, you probably won't. So really, it's a story about uh, overcoming lots of adversity for myself, lots of uh, insecurities, lots of intimidation, lots of fear. And what I'm describing to you right now is, is truly an entrepreneur. Really. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, uh, I feel like uh, there are many people that want to be entrepreneurs. And, uh, and many people start. Mm -hmm. uh, but I feel like the successful entrepreneur is simply someone who will do what others don't feel like doing. Mm. Now, that's a very simple statement. But honestly, I've watched people start and and uh, not finish well because they didn't have the stamina or the will or the uh, the can-do attitude. Mm -hmm. No, not a judgment. It's just a fact that it takes a lot of stamina, a lot of will, a lot of perseverance to start, maintain, uh, or I should say start, grow, and maintain mm -hmm. uh, a successful business. It's a lot of hard work. So that's, I kind of went around, I took a little rabbit trail, mm -hmm. but I'm getting back to where I yeah. Um, my my life as it was as a kid, and I grew up on an Amish farm in Lancaster County, Pennsylvania. A typical um, uh, Amish, um, old order Amish. My mom and dad were old order Amish, and then when I was three years old, we went to what they call the Black Car Amish. So I grew up in that community, and Bob, what I took from that was uh, family, faith, hard work. Uh, community mm -hmm. and all of these things I learned on the farm and you know what the other part of that is that mom and dad never rarely taught me verbally mm. verbally anything it was role modeled and it was kind of like just they showed us how to live life on the farm how to live family life how to live the life with community and to me my mom and dad never left us with an inheritance, but they left us with a rich, hmm. rich heritage. I'm so grateful for mom and dad growing up on the farm with all eight of us kids. There was, there was a couple of things that I never went without. Mom and dad were always somewhere on the farm. On the farm. Hmm. They were always with, caps, W-I-T-H, us. They were always with us. Mm -hmm. And number two, they taught us faith. And they taught us about family, how to be family. And the, the number two thing that to me um, gave me a firm foundation was the fact that every single day, breakfast, lunch, and dinner, we sat around the table, all 10 of us, until the year I got married when I was 19 years old. And I was the cook and the baker, and so I helped in the house a lot. So I was a part of uh, learning how to do uh, baking and cooking. And mm. but, but the value... I mean, it sounds simple in today's modern world. It sounds almost um, idyllic, maybe impossible. Mm -hmm. But that's my foundation. And I am eternally grateful for my parents. And you know, Bob, you have a large family. It's never perfect. That's right. But it's, it's, uh, it's family. And you learn how to be family. And I just, that took me, uh, without a formal education, um, it took me into my family life and then much later uh, into Auntie Anne's after experiencing trauma in our, our lives as a young married couple. Uh, but then out of that, um, we found purpose 
through our pain. Mm. And I hope that we can just talk a little bit more about all that. There's so much in my story, but uh, we'll touch on the most important parts, hopefully, and give people hope today. Well, I tell you, what, we are living in a world right now where people need yes. hope, and I, 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 re- I definitely want to get to uh, part of your story and the new book that you have out, and we're going to make sure that everybody that's listening uh, knows where to go to, to purchase this book, and the, the title of this book is The Secret Lies Within, An Inside Outlook at Overcoming Trauma and Finding Purpose in the Pain. And so we're going to dig into that because that that is a loaded title, and I know, that, and I know there's a, a story behind that, and we're going to make sure that everyone knows where you can get this. I'm reading this off of Amazon right now. And of course, uh, your website is antiannbyler.com, and we will have all of that in the show notes uh, for people to be able to go out and be able to uh, be in touch with you and learn more about you. But what I'd like to do right now is go back to the beginning with you. You, Some of the comments that you made just there in your opening statement really resonated with me. And so uh, I'm sure we've got some listeners be like, Oh my goodness! You telling me that there's this this little girl growing up on the farm. She was um, taught by her family, learned all these you know hard work and perseverance and uh, values. She has an eighth grade education, and she starts a business that becomes this global juggernaut. How in the world did that happen? And I'm, I'm sure that's like a, people are really excited to learn more about that. And what, one of your your statements there that you said early on. It, it, that r- really impacted me was that the attitude and the mindset of an entrepreneur is really important. And uh, so, I, t- tell me a little bit more about uh, maybe some of the you know, what led you to start this business and what was your mindset and attitude when you were doing it. Did you were there obstacles along the way? <laughs> I know, I know, you're laughing. <laughs> My whole life was an obstacle, and you know what I what I discovered. Uh, Throughout life, and, and particularly in my, in my very, very hard times, mm-hmm. was that most times I was the obstacle inside of me. You mm-hmm. know, I limited myself because of my pain and my uh, because of, first of all, my history, because I didn't know anything uh, about business. I, I knew nothing, period, about business. So I never went to business school, as I mentioned. And um, But there, I, I believe that, um, so growing up in that environment, my dad always told me, you can do anything that you set your mind to. He told me that very often. Mm-hmm. And, and you believe You it. know what? <laughs> you know what? He was right. And uh, so when I talk about obstacles, I want to just talk a little bit about, uh, you know, going from this almost uh, idyllic, you know, eight kids and mom and dad and my parents being with us and mm-hmm. teaching us in, in, in faith and family and community and hard work. I mean, that was the order of every single day, Bob. Mm. I remember as a 12-year-old little girl on the farm, and I would come home from school, and that was one day for about two years that my mom went to a farmer's market in Philadelphia. And I knew when I got home from school that day, she would not be there. But I also knew that she would leave me a note on the table and say, Annabeth, my name was Anna, and she would call me, my pet name for mom was Annabeth. Uh, this is what I want you to make tonight so that we can take the baked goods to market tomorrow. Mm. And by myself, at the age of 12, I would bake 60 to 70 pies and cakes. Uh, I'm not talking instant cakes or pie crusts that were already made. It was all, everything was from scratch. And I would go down into the basement on a Thursday night by myself. Uh, all the other kids had their own chores to do, but this was my chore. 
And uh, I remember going down those steps, Bob, many times crying silently. Number one, because I missed my mom. I wanted her to be there and help me. And number two, the task was, uh, I want to say, uh, daunting almost for me. Although I had been, I baked a lot. Yeah. But the point is perseverance. And what that taught me, Bob, is that you don't stop when you feel like it. You don't stop when you don't think you can. Yeah. I mean, that was that was perseverance in action for me. So learning all of that and learning uh, as a kid that I, I believe my theology was a little bit off, Bob. I have mm. to tell you about that. I believe that life is good mm. and that God was harsh. Mm. What I know today through life's experiences of my own is this. Life is hard. Mm-hmm. Now, all of us that have experienced this pandemic, mm-hmm. we're starting to understand that, and many people have already known, mm-hmm. but life is hard. Mm-hmm. God is good. Mm-hmm. I, love I am that. not confused about that mm-hmm. anymore. And it really, I came to that conclusion after my own life's experiences and the pain and the trauma. So, so growing up with this idyllic lifestyle and getting married at the young age of 19 years old and my husband was 21, but it's, it's what we do in the Amish culture and, mm-hmm. and still today. They mm-hmm. get married very young and they have families. That was my dream in life. Was mm-hmm. The only dream was that to be a mom, to be a wife, a mother, and, and have my own kids. And so starting out in that um, in that environment, my husband and I were happily married and you know we were young. We didn't know a thing, but we learned and uh, within about five years of that we had two girls and our youngest daughter i call her my sweet angie mm-hmm. um she was uh, we lived next to my mom and dad on a on a format out in the country and so my kids were always back and forth to grandma's house and one particular morning uh angie made her little trek up to my mom's house and um as i watched her go around the corner of the barn i'm just standing there watching her go i didn't call her back i didn't change her diaper that morning I, it was just kind of a very unusual morning because i had guests at our house in the night mm-hmm. and i watched her go and um I can still remember it like it was yesterday. And I went back into my house and picked up the phone to let my mom know that Angie's coming up for breakfast. She always did that almost every morning. And as I picked up the phone, I heard these horrific uh, screams. It was uh, uh, shrieks and yelling and crying. And just, it was so loud. And immediately in my heart, I knew that Angie was gone. I just, I just knew that she was gone. My first words when I heard the crying was, not Angie, God, please, not Angie. And uh, by the time I got up to my front door, my dad was uh, carrying her lifeless body, running toward me, just telling me, she's dead, Angie's dead, Angie's dead. Mm. Um, you, you know, every time I tell that story, I remember it clearly. There's not one single thing about that story that I forgot. Mm. It, it's etched in my mind, but it's the moment that I first realized in my life that we experience trauma mm-hmm. and pain. Mm-hmm. No, nobody's exempt. You know, at some point in our lives, we're going to experience something. Yeah. And so, I don't tell my story um, for people to think that, oh wow, you know, your life has been so hard. Listen, people's lives, many people's lives are hard. I'm telling my story. Mm-hmm. Uh, most people don't, and that's part of my missions in life right now, Bob, is to to help people understand. You have a story to tell, mm-hmm. and it's important for you to tell your story. That's what I've discovered. And through that trauma, then, um, just the trauma of it all, just my husband and I just 
fell apart emotionally, spiritually, and in every way. And we lived together silently with our four-year-old daughter. And uh, within uh, a year, we had another baby. And um, but I, I just uh, lived uh, as Angie made her ascent into heaven that morning. Mm. I was comforted with the fact that I knew where she was. Mm-hmm. But man. <laughs> The grief was too deep. Mm-hmm. And as she made her ascent into heaven, I made my gradual descent into a world of uh, spiritual confusion mm-hmm. uh, and um, emotional pain and complete um, a shock and trauma to where eventually I just totally isolated uh, myself. As I'm, uh, we're, we're sitting here in the studio. I'm, we're, we're recording this, but uh, you, you and I are live. I'm, I'm watching you via Zoom. I see the emotion and the tears in your in your face. And I'm just thinking about me having to live through something like that with one of my kids. I I, I can't even come to even comprehend the pain and the suffering that that moment must have been like for you. And I, and I, I, I don't know how many years ago it was, but it's, it's been a while and I can still see that on, in your eyes as a mom, as you're reliving that moment. It changes you forever. Yeah. And sure. I didn't know that at the time, Bob, that it would change me. It sounds silly right now, mm-hmm. but it changes you forever. Um, it took me into a world that I knew nothing about. I knew nothing about pain, emotionally. And then as I, um, let me go back just a little bit. My mom, uh, growing up with all of us kids, I mean, she had many quotes, but one quote that she often said, which was a cute and a a good quote for any mom with eight kids. Your wife would understand that with six kids. Every now and again, you got to be the referee. you got to step in and say, hey, kids. (laughs) So my mom, one line that she used a lot was, little children love each other. Do not give each other pain. When one speaks to you in anger, do not answer them again. Over time, what, what happened to me was that I was never able, I was never able to verbalize any feelings. Like we had a lot of fun in our home and mm-hmm. we'd sit around the dinner table, we'd tell stories about what happened every day. And so it was life filled. But I never, I've don't ever remember being able to verbalize the fact that I'm sad as a kid, mm-hmm. or that I had a bad day at school, or somebody may have made fun of me, or I, you know things that kids go through, but I was right. never, I never verbalized any of that. So fast forward, um, uh, I, I didn't know how to express my deep grief. There was no, I, I didn't have the vocabulary, and I don't think that I'm. Uh, it's unusual. I think a lot of people do not know how to express grief. And that's why we end up being depressed and go on antibiotics or we do all these things to numb our pain. We drink, we, we go out and we become addicted to alcohol, sex or drugs, or we, we become workaholics. or we do all kinds of things to kind of numb that little voice inside of us mm-hmm. that really wants yeah. to be heard. Right. But we don't know how to say it. So that's what trauma does to us. We, we get stuck in that no voice era. Mm-hmm. And so... So because of that, then I, uh, Jonas and I's marriage, um, there, there was the Great Wall of China between us emotionally. We could not connect. And I just totally despaired of, of life at times. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, part of it was I, my grief was deep. I missed Angie. Uh, 
I was confused. Um, why did this happen to me? It's the question that we always ask, and mm -hmm. you know, say, God, why? Mm -hmm. And I understand that. Um, but that's just, I, there were no answers. And I was surprised about that because I grew up with faith in God. Mm -hmm. And I, I thought, surely there is an answer. And when I couldn't find an answer, then I began to blame myself for feeling bad. And I began to feel ashamed because I, I was so sad. I didn't want to be with people because I was so sad. I didn't understand that when you lose a child, it, it changes you. I said that, but I didn't under, it's so basic, but I didn't know that. And I didn't have a grief group. I didn't read a book about grieving. I, there wasn't any of that back in the day when, when I, when we experienced this. Right. So as a result of that, then Bob, I, um, five months later, we were in a very vibrant church at the time. And I, um, couldn't talk to my husband anymore. We talked about the weather and the, and the kids and, you know, his job. And, but all the time, my soul, I would just, deeply mm -hmm. uh, it was so dark inside of me that everything I was doing was was out of a uh, I was just pretending I was all right mm -hmm. and I got really good at that because nobody ever asked me how I was doing they would never have known so I got good at pretending because I, th I thought I had to pretend and so I went to see my pastor after five months of grieving and before I left his office that day the first time I went to visit him he took advantage of me physically mm -hmm. um which um, I knew nothing about that either. You know, my life, I was very secluded. Um, sexual abuse was never, well, I, it was a subject I knew nothing about. And we were taught in, in the, our cultures to honor and respect your pastor and the leaders in your community. And, mm -hmm. and when that happened to me, I, I, I knew what he did was wrong, but I blamed myself. Mm. And so I lived with this blame and that, after I left his office, I decided I made one choice that changed and took me deeper and into this dark place. And that was that I would never tell. I would never tell what he did to me. And uh, that secret then kept me in a lifestyle of sexual abuse for over six years with my pastor and um, never told anyone uh, about four years into it, I, I discovered that he was also abusing my sisters. And then uh, 20 years later, I found out that he was abusing my oldest daughter when she was just a very tiny little girl. Mm. So, so, so you've, we're, we're going to we're, we're going to get to the good part of my story here in just in a minute. So go ahead. Well, I just so you experienced this deep, life changing trauma with the passing of your daughter. Yes. You have a marriage that is um, surface level at best. It sounds like you know, oh, you're, you're at, at best. It, yes. it just barely communicating with your husband. You're going to a place where you feel like you can be safe and secure, and hopefully get some help. And you're taking advantage there. So another deep trauma that lasts for a long time. It it, it must feel like you're spiraling down into this 
you know, this pit of hell, right? Like you just, oh, just yeah. and, you know, oh, yeah. and you know, like, how do I get out of this? What, what, what do I do? And you're and and I think it was really interesting that you articulated early on that you did not grow up. You were taught maybe not to experience pain or very emotion. So you didn't have the, 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 the language and the skill sets to be able to reach out and say, I'm hurting. I'm upset. I'm, this is what's going oh. on. Uh-uh. And I, I, I feel like there's a lot of people like that in our society that um, I, I know that a lot of times, you know, boys are taught, hey, don't cry. You know, don't That's don't right. don't mention that, you know, you're, you're, you're sad or upset. You know, come on, be a man, you know, man up. Um, yeah. And so there, there's a, I, you, I think we see it. There's so many people in our midst are walking around with uh, hurts and traumas and this pain um, and maybe insecurity, whatever uh, it may be. And they're not verbalizing it. And but you walked this journey. How did you dig yourself out? of this deep pit of despair what were what were the steps i mean what was this inflection point because you're now on the other other side of it you're speaking teaching writing books helping people it's a full 180 of where you were some people don't ever get out of that how how, what happened what Uh, yeah and that's why i keep telling my story because some people just can't find their way through it and you know i would say that from the time our daughter was killed until until I began to feel a little bit of life, uh, life again, just a little bit, was, it would have been seven years of darkness, like I call it the darkness of soul. Uh, but then coming out of that, it was another um, long period of still dealing and wrestling and trying to understand, and uh, you know, the subject of sexual abuse and um, and our marriage, you know, had just it was just barely we were barely hanging on by just by a thread and but you know the so when i go speak bob i always start out by saying i'm here today because of the power of grace Mm -hmm. and one really good man in my life and that's the truth Mm. i don't say that um lightly i say that out of my experience Mm -hmm. And my husband, through all the seven years of darkness, um, he never once spoke badly to me. He never he, he never berated me, never made me feel worse than I was feeling, because he didn't know what was wrong. Mm-hmm. He, he didn't know what was happening in my life. So I, I did a good cover-up, but he knew me well. And he knew I wasn't happy. And uh, so when I say a good man... Um, I, I knew the day I married Jonas Byler, I'd hit the jackpot. I knew that when I was 19 years old. Somehow I knew that. But man, uh, life's experiences proved that to me. Mm-hmm. And you know, that's what we all want, is we want a good spouse, whether it's a good wife, a good husband. And not to we only want that, but we need that. Mm-hmm. We need that to get through life. And so Jonas was was my rock. And I always felt like like he would always be there for me. But then after the abuse happened and out of abuse, then, you know, you're so broken. And I, I felt like the abuse because I always blamed that on myself. And I felt like I was having a, an affair because I didn't know anything about abuse, abuse. And so I knew in my spirit and in my heart, in the way I'd been taught, I knew I had crossed the line mm-hmm. that I would never be able to go back and undo. Mm-hmm. And because of all that, then I, I lived with the guilt and, and the complete shame, you know, guilt says you did something wrong. 
But shame says that I am something wrong. And I knew without a shadow of a doubt I was a flawed human being and there was something terribly wrong with me. But I didn't know how to fix it. And I didn't know how to talk about it. So I'm not sure why I'm feeling emotional about this right now, but I guess it's the way you're asking me the questions about it. You know, so we get through the seven years of just complete silence. And the discovery of my of the involvement that my pastor was abusing my sisters and much later learned about my daughter. Uh, but at the time, he was only learning about the abuse of my sisters and my very best friend as well. And uh, so what that did to me, if you could only imagine, now I'm stuck with this man. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's really no way out. I mean, I knew that. There was, that there was no way out. But that's what perpetrators do to you. They truly make you believe there is no way out. But I'm going to tell you, there is a way out. And that way out is simply you set yourself free by telling somebody what's going on in your life. And then somebody will help you uh, walk the journey with you. But so for me, being in this place of just complete uh, darkness and brokenness and um, no way out, and I twice I really contemplated suicide because I had no hope for tomorrow. Mm. But the reason I didn't commit suicide was because I still wanted my family. Mm. I still wa- I still wanted to be a mom. Mm-hmm. That's all I ever wanted to be. I never wanted to be Auntie Anne. It did, that didn't matter to me. I didn't mm. ask for that. I didn't long or dream to be Auntie Anne. I wanted to be a mom. Mm-hmm. And that's what kept me alive. Um, and so... Um, going through those very, very dark days for all those years, I knew one thing. I knew that I was unlovable. I knew I was unforgivable. And I knew I was unchangeable and I had crossed the line. So these are th- these are thoughts that you or these are these these are your thoughts, but you you're believing them because you obviously those are not that's not those aren't true statements, but this is what you're believing, right? No, exactly, exactly. That's why I say though in our pain we believe almost it's like all we can believe is lies mm-hmm. in our pain because I was guilty and I was feeling shame like over I wore shame I mm-hmm. wore it every day so yeah uh, so yeah I believe that the other thing I believed as well was that. Uh, there was no hope for the future, and that um, uh, that if I ever told Jonas that he would divorce me, that was complete. That was like uh, that was cemented in my spirit and in my heart. I believed he would divorce me because I deserved. Um, I didn't deserve anything good, and he's a good man. So anyway, um, <laughs> so how did I get out of all of that? Wow. Okay, I'm going to pick your audience up right now, and uh, there, there's really light at the end of my tunnel here. Uh, but I'd like to share my story, the darkness yeah. of it, Bob, because the reason is mm-hmm. there are many people in that place today Yes. Uh, that, that need to know that there is hope. Yes. And, and that's what my voice, that's what I want my voice to do. There is no condemnation or there's no guilt. I don't place guilt on anyone for being where you are today. Wherever you are. Whatever the issue may be. It's absolutely. But you, I want people to know that there is a, there is a better life. There is, a, there is a better way. And you can truly be free of all of this. Mm-hmm. It was a ball and chain that I just drug with me everywhere in life. And so, 
so one thing I did one day, and growing up in the faith world in, in church, I I always had a relationship with God, and I I I, I doubted that He. Uh, cared about me. I, I really didn't feel like he cared, and I didn't know that if he heard my prayers, but I prayed anyway, and I believed anyway, just because that was my only outlet. And so I always say I I wept my way through those dark years because I was able to keep my communication open with God, which was um, I was just the needy and a broken soul. Mm-hmm. But he heard me. And um, so there were three things that I learned that I, I love to share this because it's really what helped me. And one is that three types of confession. The first one was, I call it my bedside prayers, which I did every single day. I wept my way through those seven years on my knees every day. Um, the second thing I did was uh, I began to journal. I began to journal what I was feeling. Remember, I can't tell you what I'm feeling, but I began to journal and write down exactly what I was feeling. And the good news is that God made us emotional beings. He gave us all these emotions, not to stuff, mm-hmm. but to experience and to share. Mm-hmm. But all I do with my emotions was to stuff them. So I learned how to bedside prayers, the journaling. And then the third one was I learned uh, how to be open and transparent in what I call the one to another confession. And uh, that's what changed it all for me. One day I was on my knees and um, I heard in my heart, get up off your knees and go tell Jonas uh, what's going on in your world. (laughs) I I thought I was hearing something wrong. I can't do that. Mm -hmm. I got comfortable in my pain. This is the way it is. You know, as the old saying goes, you made your bed, now you got to lay in it. Mm-hmm. That's a bunch of nonsense. It's not true. There's a better way. You can get up out of bed, and you can begin to use your voice. You can be, begin to become transparent with someone yeah. that is trustworthy. Mm-hmm. In in caps, trustworthy Worthy, person. Yes. yes. Um, whoever that is for you, I don't know, but I do believe that there is someone that God will put in your path Mm -hmm. that you can talk to and that they have the gift of listening. Mm -hmm. They will give you both ears to listen to you until you're done. That's the gift of listening. And uh, so that's what I did one day. I got up off my knees and uh, went and told my husband and sweaty palms, scared to death, heart racing. I weighed 92 pounds. I was a shell. I had nothing to give to my husband that day except a very simple one-line confession. Mm. I saw the look in his face, in his eyes, and I walked away. That was it. But that one confession, Bob, if there's anything that I want your listeners to hear, it's I want them to understand when you begin to tell, you begin to get well. Oh, my goodness. That's a powerful quote. That is so powerful. You will not get well. If you cannot tell. Mm. And as scary as that is, I want to tell you, without that one single confession to my husband that day, that was only the beginning. Mm-hmm. It was not the it wasn't a miracle cure for me or the marriage. Mm. But it was a step in the right direction. It was like I made a U-turn. 
and I began another way. I did something that I had never done before. And as I, this one single confession um, changed the trajectory of my life. And I would love to tell a story about how Jonas reacted, but it's in my book. <laughs> just, obviously, we're married. It yeah. will be 52 years since September. Oh, my goodness. Congratulations. That's so awesome. It's, it's miraculous. Mm -hmm. It is truly miraculous that we're still together. But the good news is that we love being together. Mm -hmm. <laughs> we're not together for the sake of the kids or for the sake of money or for the sake of anything except that we... We love being together because I have a good man and the power of grace that worked in both of our lives. No, and one of the things that you know, another quote that you had just a second ago is that you, you had become comfortable in your pain. And I just think of how many people in society are comfortable and have accepted their pain, whatever that pain may be. And there's, and there's all sorts of pain in our society. And the fact that you were able to overcome that pain and i love that quote you have to tell before you can get well just be able to start talking yes. about it find somebody who said find somebody who is trustworthy right you tried that early on you went someplace where you thought <laughs> and exactly it, right right you were you were you knew and you went somewhere where you thought you could go and, and it it turned out not to be the right place but when you were when you found somebody that was trustworthy and you opened up and it, it required you to be vulnerable right i mean i you, i have to imagine you were you said you were you were trembling and you were vulnerable you didn't know how your husband was going to react scared but you were vulnerable and through that you became very strong and through through that you have uh, god has given you a very powerful voice and i've seen how he has used you right to be able to uh, encourage and to witness and to strengthen people and to help people uh, overcome these types of challenges i just I, i'm just so proud of you Oh, thank you, thank you so much, Bob. <laughs> I I'm reminded. Well, let me let me just say that um, my my first confession to my pastor, who was not a trustworthy man, and I thought he was. Mm -hmm. You know, I th there was nothing about that that was scary. Like mm -hmm. going into his office, I just I, I just you know poured my heart out, mm -hmm. and it entrapped me. It enslaved me. It was the secret that I kept by not telling anyone that enslaved me. But then going to my husband seven years later, the man I knew I could trust was the hardest thing I had ever done. Mm. Because of all the betrayal and all of the, um, the, the, the shame that I was feeling, all of the things that I had done, you know, it, it's just like I was, I was, it's like I was, the, an evil force just kept me in this place of darkness. Mm -hmm. And to come out of that, I, I can feel it as I'm talking to you. It, it felt like, it, it just felt impossible. Mm -hmm. And yet I knew I was going to talk to a trustworthy mm -hmm. man, my husband. Now, I'm not saying that spouses need to go to their spouse, to their significant others or the husband or the wife. In my case, that was that was my only option mm -hmm. at that time and it turned out to be a good option even though the road that we traveled from that point on till a number of years till we were finally able to get our marriage in a, in a, in a fairly healthy place mm -hmm. it took a long time 
but the, the point is finding a trustworthy person mm -hmm. that will not make you feel guilty mm -hmm. or make you feel worse than you already feel and that takes someone that will truly listen with compassion and not even try to give you all the answers bob all i wanted was i wanted somebody to listen to me mm -hmm. that's that's that is my i just want somebody to listen to me mm. i would get so angry just thinking about i want somebody to listen mm -hmm. but i didn't know where to go because i knew another lie that nobody would listen nobody cared but that's really not true there are people around that will listen to you and there are professional counselors there are there are still good pastors i'm still i, I don't write all pastors off. i'm not bitter at pastors because i know that this man was a wolf in sheep's clothing mm -hmm. and the bible is very clear about that so i just want people to know it can happen it happened to me but i am not anti-pastor or even anti-church mm -hmm. it's because of the grace of god that just keeps happening in my life and um there are people out there that you can't trust i want to add for for our listeners who there may be someone going through a similar type situation uh there there may be uh, somebody who has uh, a marriage crisis right now you 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 mentioned what, what you are having a the reason why you didn't go to your husband early on it sounded like was you you said it was remember it was surface level it has to be a surface level relationship we're not really communicating so you're looking for some somebody who's going to listen to you someone who can help you with your marriage so you're going going in that direction what type of advice would you give yourself if you could go back in time and give your your younger self advice on how to handle that situation what would you say would you say hey go to a uh, how would you handle it different count imagine Imagine there's somebody in your shoes, the exact identical situation. How do you counsel that young woman or that person to do things maybe a different way? What advice would you give yourself now that you, you're you're older, you're wiser, and you, you, you know? Okay, uh, so number number one, first thing is that um, you know that secrets kill us mm -hmm. over time. Um, truth will always set us free. Mm. Now, it, the truth may not be easy to tell but it's far better than keeping a secret so what i would say to anyone is if you're holding a secret and and, and you've really you you keep the secret because it's it's made you feel bad you feel guilty you feel shamed or or you're afraid if i tell the secret that uh, maybe i'll get someone in trouble for telling a secret or I, all these reasons that we we try to keep that inside of us but i encourage people uh, if, if, if there's anything that I tell people today, it's be strong and courageous, even when you feel weak and vulnerable. Mm -hmm. And I want to always say stop feeling weak and vulnerable. You actually have the ability to stop that wild and crazy cycle mm -hmm. of feeling weak and vulnerable. You can stop that mm -hmm. by beginning to talk that, and tell. And that can share the truth. Wow. The, the first time that you tell your secret, I mean, listen, I've listened to many, many people tell their stories for the very first time. And it never fails. Never fails when they're done. Wow. I mean, I'm not saying a word. They're telling me their story. And they leave feeling lighter. The weight is gone. And they're like, wow, 
something happened. Um, so keeping a secret is such a dark, evil, sinister way of keeping you in this place of not fulfilling your purpose that you were created for to begin with. Mm -hmm. I can tell you, living with secrets and lies and confusion and darkness, if I would have stayed there, there would be no Auntie Anne's. And that sounds silly for some people, but Bob, in my heart of hearts, my husband and I both know if I would not have had the courage to just tell, there would be no Auntie Anne's. Mm -hmm. So we, we stay in this place, and so that's why I'm saying, going back to your, uh, your question, what would you tell people? Number one thing is open up your life to someone that you trust. There's a verse in the Bible that I love, confess your faults mm -hmm. one to another so that you may be healed. Mm -hmm. It's like a promise. Mm -hmm. And I call it a new view of confession because people see it, confession as being, for the most part, subjective. So, okay, let's not use the word confession. Let's just say, um, you know, be open, be truthful, be vulnerable one with another. Mm -hmm about your faults, your sins, your failures, your embarrassments, your shame, your pain, your, your sin, whatever it is that's bothering you, open up, be vulnerable, and begin to talk. God gave us a voice. He gave us a tongue to be able to talk, not to stay silent. Mm -hmm. And so that's my first advice. And secondly, then I would say, find someone that you trust even in uh, very often you need to go to the next level to a psychologist a counselor a psychiatrist i mean i i did all of it bob <laughs> i did it all i did the whole gamut of trying to get well mm -hmm. and at the end of i want to say when i started finally started counseling it wasn't until 1995 and angie was killed in 1975 mm. 20 years later mm. i'm in the middle of auntie Anne's building a successful company and right in the middle of it, I crashed and I burned because I didn't realize I was carrying all of this, this ball and chain into my company. And at that time, I found out about my daughter's abuse and um, um, I crashed and burned. So it's really important to unload. It's really, it's kind of like, a, you know, you're loaded with all this junk in your body. It, you know, what happens to you doesn't go out into outer space anywhere. It lodges in your body, in your mind, in your soul, in your spirit, in your heart. It all stays with you. Mm -hmm. And it finally erupted for me in 1995 when I began to deal with the abuse. I told Jonas about what was going on, but I never dealt with the abuse that I had experienced until 20 years later. Wow. So, and if you don't keep it a secret, it, it has no hold on you. So the other thing is, I could say if I would have told someone what happened to me that day in the office, the other would never have happened. Mm -hmm. So the abuse or the trauma that you experience is not as bad as the secret that you keep about that abuse well, that, or trauma. That is a powerful the secret is what is, is way what worse. cripples you, steals your light, steals your joy. Enslaves you, it sounds like, right? Enslaves you. Oh, completely enslaves you. Yes, I was a slave to all of it. Wow, so in the in the midst of all of this, are you so you're you're dealing with all this trauma, all this internal I I I can't even begin to process like all, just all, all of this pain that you've got 
bottled up inside and that you're, you're, you're wrestling with and struggling with in the midst of this, are you actually at this time trying to build and, and, and run a company or, or, and so are you, are you, I, I hear a lot of times that people will like escape into their, into their work or into their job. It gives yes. them a, it's a coping mechanism. Is that what was going on? Were you escaping into work or? Yeah. Well, I wasn't trying to escape into mm -hmm. work, you know, so there was a five year reprieve from the mm -hmm. time I told Jonas until Auntie Anne started. Okay. So Auntie Anne's hasn't started at this time. You're still, oh, this is no. pre Auntie Anne's. Okay. This was, oh, yeah. Aunt Chance was was certainly never a thought in my never I never thought of doing a business ever. Okay. Five years later, um, so Joan has not had five years to uh, to work on our marriage together. The two of us did the best that we could, and he started to study psychology during that time, which gave him insight about human behavior, which he had never <laughs> he had never read a book about it in his life. And he's dyslexic and can hardly read. It's a very it's been a uh, uh, very difficult for him, but he he began to understand he loves to study words, hmm. and he began to understand psychology. You can take that in, in increments and just find out what things mean in words or paragraphs. And mm -hmm. anyway, so he began to study that, and uh, we began to work on our marriage based on what he was learning through his own studies, and understood that wow, we can we can help other couples. So we became during those five years, we became passionate about. Uh, helping other couples. And so during that time, uh, after we moved back from uh, from Texas, it was during that time, we had no money. Um, we came back after I moved with $25 cash in our pocket. No no IRAs, no 401ks, no jobs, no business plan, nothing. $25. And, but my husband had a passion and a purpose. That's all we had. Uh, and we wanted to counsel couples. And so we started to do that right when we came back from Texas immediately. And within a month, uh, we were not making any money. And so I got a job working at a farmer's market to support my whole purpose to go to work was to support my husband so that he could uh, do marriage counseling free. Hmm. And I went to work at a farmer's market and did soft pretzels. And um, seven months later, uh, had opportunities. Somebody came to me and said, hey, there's a market for sale close by your house. Are you interested? I said, yeah, I'm interested, but I don't have any money. And uh, anyway, long story short, we borrowed $6,000 and uh, we, um, we bought the, the market stand, sight unseen. Uh, we went to pay the people, gave them the check that my father-in-law uh, loaned to us. Uh, and then we went to see what we bought. So that will tell you how much I know about business. So I'm telling your audience, <laughs> you don't want to do as I do. <laughs> Although it didn't work out real well for us. But the point is, we had no three things we didn't have. We had no formal education. We had no business plan. And we had no capital. So that's how we started. You, you, started, you set it up for success. With a purpose. And I want to say to every entrepreneur out there, if you start with a purpose... That will give you momentum that can take you further than what you ever thought you could go. Our purpose was clear. We wanted to help other people, mm. period. That was it. Mm. That's, it's unbelievable. If, if someone were to say, yeah, well, I want to start a business. We have no formalized training or education in this space. We have no capital. And what was the other one you said? You, we didn't have any... Uh, 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 we had no business plan. No business plan, right? It's like, hey, <laughs> sounds perfect. Where, where, where can I invest, right? <laughs> <laughs> you know, I can't tell at all. You got to read the book. So yeah. it's just, a, I call Auntie Anne's a modern day business miracle. And yeah. a miracle is something that defies the odds. It should never have happened according to the standards of this world. Right.
And you, and you, um, so what next, next step? So now you, you've got this little boutique. I know you don't want to give all the story away, but you, 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 um, but you've got this and you're, 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 you're building your business and, and growing through this, you know, um, at, at this point, once you've started Auntie Anne's, have you kind of, um, the, the, the issues that you struggled with with your husband and your relationship and some maybe the, some of the self-doubts, have, at this point, has that been overcome? Have, have you conquered that? Oh, well, to overcome obstacles, one must overcome themselves. Mm. All the obstacles I faced, mm. I realized, were within me. Whether it had to do with the obstacle I felt initially. I mm -hmm. mean, there's obviously with my background, I had experienced facing obstacles every single day. Mm -hmm. And when we started, um, you know, I had no idea where Auntie Anne's was going. I was so excited. I felt very successful with one store. Mm -hmm. It was, I mean, I had never experienced such success in my life. Mm -hmm. And we were actually making, like we were putting in the bank, maybe 2500 maybe $3,000 for a two-day farmer's market. And I'm thinking, man, we're, we're, we're wealthy. This is amazing. We never had a savings account before. But, but what I began to realize, Bob, was that all along, I have loved people. That's, that's always been my passion, love people. Mm -hmm. And as people came to us and they wanted to help us, they wanted to work for us. And we didn't advertise anything. People just, because the, 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 the product became wildly successful and wildly known mm -hmm. in our community and the surrounding towns. Mm -hmm. And people came to our little market uh, just to experience an Auntie Anne pretzel. And the market itself was a little dumpy place. I mean, it was kind of dead. It, it, it really wasn't anything fancy. But when we began to sell pretzels, the market itself became alive. Mm. Every every store owner in the market uh, began to do better in their business. We began to draw people into the market. It was unbelievable. And so so now I'm, I'm realizing that I love people and managing a stand is what I learned at my formal, when I was working for someone for seven months, my boss at that time told me, you know, you're a great manager. And I'm like, I am? I, I don't know, I, I, I didn't, I had no idea. But I, but he told me that I'm like, huh? Wow. Okay. So, and I realized after a while that I could actually do this. I loved managing and loving people. It was just it became I became crazy about it. And so from there, um, you know, I didn't know much except I knew how to love people, and I knew that people were our mission. Mm -hmm. uh, and uh, I wanted to provide well for them. I wanted to pay them well, and I wanted to, uh, I wanted to be a good boss, and I wanted to be uh, a, a workplace where people would enjoy coming. So carry that into now as Auntie is growing. Um, wow, now we're we have 50 stores in in three years, and actually two years, and uh, we're just uh, growing like crazy. And, and now we have to put systems in place, a training manual. Now we became a franchise, and. Well, you can only imagine all the obstacles that I faced, and um, as we're growing, I'm I'm getting more and more in tune with corporate America, and I'm feeling smaller and smaller and smaller, and I'm intimidated. My fear gripped me. I'm like, oh, oh my gosh, this is the world that we live in now, the corporate world, and it. It just about put me under, but you know what? 
one day my husband said to me, hun, and I was whining and complaining about that. I'm like, I, don't, I can't do this anymore. I can't, I don't fit in this world. Everybody knows more than I do. Everybody's got more money than we have. Everybody's got more education. It just, it was so intimidating. I nearly, it, it almost drowned me in the thought. Hmm. And my husband said to me one day as I was talking about it, he said, hun, God gave us this business and he chose you, your Auntie Anne. There, there's not another Auntie Anne in the company right now. So apparently he thinks you're qualified. Mm. And I believe that if you would stop trying to uh, worry about what other people think and wishing you were like them, that you could actually flourish. Like, mm. stop whining mm. and be the best you could be. So Bob, that would sound very simple, but it was profound at the time. And I decided I'm going to be the very best that I can be. And that's when I began to read books. <laughs> I was constantly reading books on leadership, management, franchising, and um, going to all kinds of conferences and seminars and leadership. And I began to realize it's all about people. Mm. And over time, I got comfortable in my own skin. I became confident. And I grew into a businesswoman that I never knew was inside of me. That's why I'm saying everything that we long for, everything that we want, every obstacle that we face, We'll find it mm -hmm. within ourselves. Mm -hmm. And, you know, of course, you educate yourself, what I just mentioned. But, wow, it's the can-do attitude. And eventually, I got to the place where I was completely comfortable and confident with who I was. It shocked me. I was so surprised. Wow. And uh, love living in that space even today. Wow. You know, you're, you're, it strikes me that your husband's comments were so insightful about uh, God, um, that you were qualified, that God had given you this business and you were qualified. And I, I remember a, uh, a mentor of mine a while back when I was facing a uh, crisis of confidence myself, and he reminded me, he said, you know, Bob, God doesn't call the qualified, he qualifies the called. Right, and I, I love that quote, and I, I remind myself of that all the time. You're like, and it, you know, I think it also goes back to your purpose. You had a purpose, and you you knew Absolutely. that God had given you a purpose, and He was like, and you knew that you were the spokesperson, that you were the person. Yes. You're like, and, and so you're like, when you've got a purpose, and you know that God's called you to do it, and your husband's like, hey, honey. And you're qualified. You, you, God made you for this role, right? The, 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 you don't have to worry about all the, the education or all these other things. You're ready. And, and I, just, I love the fact that, you, that you went, you're in this moment of kind of, you said fear, right? You're this the overwhelming fear. And then all of a sudden through that, you, you, just, you gain this confidence because you know, hey, God's got my back. He's prepared me for a moment such as this. Uh -huh. You know, the other thing I learned during that time was that um, focusing, you know, so I, I feel like I feel like people and the world, <laughs> educators, I love educators, but I'm just saying, I feel like we, they put us in a box. People put us in a certain box, even in the church, you know, religions, whatever. We're put in this box and this is where we live, mm -hmm. you know, but what I discovered is that stepping outside of that box mm -hmm. <laughs> There's so much more room out there mm -hmm. to be who God created you to be. So when I stepped out of my little box that I thought, you know, I should be like everybody else, or I should be like that person, or, or I wish I was like her, or I wish I was, wow. You know, we spend so much time wishing we were somebody else 
that we don't even take time to focus on who we are and what our gifts and abilities and mm. and that's what i call stepping out of the box stop wishing you were like everybody else step out of the walk out of the box and be who god made you to be and out there, there it's it's limitless mm. there, there are no limits when you step outside the box and that's what i discovered and and whining about what we don't have is wasted mm. energy but understanding what we do have is enough what we didn't have was education a plan um business plan education and and uh, capital uh what we did have was a great purpose we had great product and we had great people hmm. and i remember the day i began focus on what we had instead of whining about what i didn't have and bob let me tell you that that's just that made me sore hmm. because when you focus on your gift your talent that you have brought into this world when you focus on that the sky is the limit and you know what it doesn't drain you of your energy <laughs> when you focus on what you have these are my this is what i have and these are my gifts to, to go along with what i have it, i had i had boundless boundless energy mm, so powerful there's got to be you know people that i um chat with people that you and i interface with we know that the the world is full of folks right now that are they're looking for hope they're looking oh, for yes. a better future they yes. they they see the world rapidly changing all around them um yes. you know, one of, some of the most painful conversations i've had have been with mid to late career professionals and they feel like i i've had uh, men in their 50s and 60s, almost on the verge of tears, on a on a phone yes. conversation, say, "Bob, I just feel like I've made mistakes in life. I didn't, I didn't go down this path. I didn't go down this path. Yes. Um, yes. I, I've lost my job. You know, no one's going to hire me. I don't have the skills and training. I don't know how I'm going to reinvent myself. What's going to happen? I, I didn't. I don't save for retirement, and they feel the weight of the world oh. on their shoulders and th this huge burden, and they feel like you know, I, I, I'm a failure." Uh, I don't want to tell my family what's going on, what it, what's going to happen. And, and you and I, in, in your words of wisdom just now, you said, you know, it's almost like the story in the Bible of the widow and the oil, where you don't, you don't focus on what you don't have, don't focus <laughs> on the past, but you focus on what, and, and God's given every single person a purpose and a reason for being here, and talents and skills and opportunity, and that there's a, a story of a bright future for every single person who wants to Absolutely. seize that you, you know Bob it's not about becoming a multimillionaire it's not about taking a pretzel around the world it's not about becoming the greatest uh, uh, next uh, singer it's not about becoming the best pastor of the biggest mega church it's not about that mm -hmm. it's really not about that you know I believe that God is um, a um, blesses the small things in life mm -hmm. and if, if we can do them well then he'll take us to other places mm -hmm. and um, feeling like a failure and feeling like uh, like there's nothing left for you to do um, you know I, I think that we buy into the lies of the world system in which we live I, I was guilty of that myself and even still we constantly have to fight the system of this world you know um, the Bible says that we are in this world but we are not of it. Mm. Now, that's a that's a tricky one. And I feel like when we, in that place, we're in this world, not of it, we're confused sometimes because we bought into 
the world system. And I like to, you know, I used to say that and I would think about it. I'm thinking, okay, so how can I, as a Christian businesswoman, how, how can, how does that work for me? Mm-hmm. You know, and one day I was thinking about that and I just thought about, okay, so we are in this world. It's kind of like I, I was on a, uh, I, I took a cruise. We, we did a cruise during that time and I just, this analogy came to me. And so we're on the boat in the water. So we are in the water on this cruise. Mm-hmm. We, we're in the water. Mm-hmm. And if I think, oh, because I'm in the water, I'm just going to jump. You know, I'm on, I'm on the boat. I can just jump in the water I mean, because we're in the water. Um, I'm just going to jump in the water and just enjoy whatever. Wow. Well, we are in the water. But if I jump off that boat, <laughs> get into the water, I am not of the water. Mm-hmm. I will not survive there. Mm-hmm. I feel like as God's children... We're in this world, and, and we, we feel like because we're in this world, we can be of the world. Mm-hmm. Like, like we take on the ways. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying, it's, it's, uh, this is a subject that's a deep one, but I just feel like as, as God's children that it's good for us to understand that we can bring into our lives and into our business the models that God has set in place in the Word of God. Mm-hmm and apply them into our company and that way we are in the world but we are not of it we take his principles and we apply them in our business and you know auntie ends was created to obviously a modern day business miracle but also we knew early on that auntie ends was created to give and auntie ends was created to be light in the world mm. in the business world and we knew that without, uh, with, with clearly. And one day I asked God, so, okay, so you want me to be light in the world. Does that mean you want me to be an evangelist in the, in the workplace? You want me to preach the gospel in the workplace? And, you know, inside my heart just said to me, I want you to be salt and light. It stunned me. Mm. I'm like, oh, okay, I know that I'm salt. We are salt of the earth and this little light of mine, you know, I, mm. I, I know all that. But how does that look? in the workplace and about clearly that day i understood it's not what i say in the workplace it's what i do mm. salt doesn't say a word it only makes things tasty light doesn't speak it only draws people and that model salt and light kept me on the path of from falling off the wagon falling into <laughs> the world that i am in and I was able to hold on to the principles mm-hmm. that really, I believe, made Auntie Anne's successful. Because we knew it was all about people, and we knew it was all about helping others and to give. That's, that's the ingredient to success, in well, my opinion. Well, as you're articulating that there, that your understanding of salt and light and how they don't speak, but they just are. And people notice the difference, right? It it kind of takes me back to your earlier statement when you were talking about how your parents taught you, and it was uh, more it was more caught than taught, right? Like you learned by example, and so here you are as a little child. You're being you're catching the work ethic and the discipline of of growing up on the farm. You were you you caught it more so than you were taught it, and then you're also you're taking that as an adult, as an entrepreneur in the business world, and you're realizing that for me to be light and to be salt and to make a difference and to have impact, it's not so much your words, but it's actually more your deeds. It's it's how people experience 
you and see you and um it's just it, it's amazing how you that that how you've taken that oh, throughout the course of your 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 career yeah uh, what, what a beautiful testimony well you know let me also say uh, quickly is that i want the audience to understand mm -hmm. I, 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 I'm learning as I go with mm -hmm. Andy, and in, in life, I've always learned as I went, you know. So I, I don't want to leave the impression that we did it perfectly because we didn't, you know. And as, as I'm learning in, in the ways of, of learning business in corporate America, uh, I always say that Auntie Anne screwed me up emotionally, spiritually, professionally, and financially. Mm -hmm. And the people around me, I can tell you, put up with me sometimes probably more than what i know mm -hmm. because i truly was a novice but what what made auntie Anne successful and i have to just always i, I want to always remember to say this is the great people mm -hmm. that we hired that came in to just um take the company where it, where it is today mm -hmm. uh, Jonas and I could never have done this on our own. Like it's, and I've always said it's not about me or him. It's really about the product and it's about the people and the mm. purpose. Mm. And so we didn't do it perfectly. Let me tell you. I mean, I stumbled and fell. I had panic attacks. I cried in board meetings. I mean, I was like a basket case many times. But I overcame those obstacles over time, and um, it, it truly grew me up. And what I, I believe, if um, to grow. Uh, professionally is one way to grow. Mm -hmm. that, I've seen people grow professionally, but they've never grown personally. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, have you ever seen a 50 or 60 year old man just thrown a five-year-old fit? Mm -hmm. You know, uh, it's because they've grown professionally, but not personally. Mm -hmm. And I feel like if we can grow the two together, mm -hmm. um, there's something powerful takes place in the workplace with your employees, but within yourself as well like to to have the confidence that i that i have today yeah mm -hmm. what you heard my story mm -hmm. it's it's completely mm -hmm. miraculous and yet i want to say with faith all things are possible but with faith and hard work that's the combination mm -hmm. uh, that will i i believe truly make you successful on a small scale it's not even about grand. It can be successful as a small pastor in your church. It can be successful uh, as a mother raising six kids. Mm -hmm. You can be successful as a as a retail shop that's a boutique shop. Mm -hmm. it, it's not about big. It's about overcoming obstacles mm. and loving people. Oh, so powerful. And uh, you have blessed us generously with your time today, but even more so, you have blessed us with your authenticity and transparency and vulnerability in sharing with us um, very impactful moments of your life that have made you the woman and the leader that you are. And I, I, I just, it's remarkable how you've been able to use uh, those deep and dark traumas and bring light to the world by sharing that testimony to help others. And I know for a fact that there will be many people who will listen to this podcast today that will find encouragement, that will find hope, um, that may be struggling through similar type situations. 
you know, I, I'm a firm believer in your statement that we all are going to experience trauma in life. It's part of our, our journey on, in this world that we're going to go through, have these obstacles. And I know that um, even though I have uh, heard you speak in person before and I've heard your story before, I couldn't help but get choked up and get emotional just listening to it once again. And the notes that I've taken today has um, uh, strengthened me motivated me, encouraged me, um, and I, I can't wait for our audience to hear this. Uh, my, my prayers are going to be uh, continued with you and your husband, uh, that your ministry, uh, the, the work that you're doing continues to go forward and that you uh, help many, many people. I, I want to make sure that our listeners, once again, know where they can go get your book. This is a must-read, guys. Uh, you can go to Amazon or probably any of your um, you know, major bookstores uh, around the country. The title of the book is The Secret Lies Within. Now, here's the second part of the title. Listen to this. An inside-out look at overcoming trauma and finding purpose in the pain. This is by Ann Byler. And uh, you can also fi uh, find Ann on her website uh, at Auntie Ann Byler, and that would be A N N E Byler, B E I L E R, AuntieAnnByler.com. So make sure you go out there and follow her on social media. Uh, and make sure you go out and, and get a book. Here's, here, here's something I've never done this with our audience. I've never asked this. All right, ladies, gentlemen, I am asking that you would go out and purchase this book, and I would ask that you would then also put a review on Amazon.com because that will help Anne. As, uh, I'm looking right now, the, the various reviews, and she has got all five-star reviews on this book, but I'm asking as a special favor, uh, help Anne and her ministry and help her reach people. Purchase this book. Not only will you find it to be a blessing in your life, but also pass it on to somebody uh, that you know that uh, might need this in your life, and uh, let's Let's support Anne and her ministry. And so, Anne, I just want to say thank you so much. Thank you for being with us. I've got so many more questions. I've got pages full of questions. We're going to have to have you back on sometime. Would you? Would you? Would you come back on and give us some more information? I know you'd be surprised to know that I have a whole lot more to say too. <laughs> I feel like we didn't we didn't get through half the stuff I wanted to talk to you about. But I know that you're a busy lady. I don't want to continue to monopolize your time. Well, I would love to to, to pack on the show with you again sometime when, when it works out for you. And uh, But thank you so much for what you're doing. I mean, I'm so grateful for anyone that has a voice that will speak into the, the people today in our world that need to, to they have hope. I mean, we, we want to give hope. And so thank you for, for doing that on your podcast and uh, giving people hope because we desperately need voices of hope. So together we'll make our little difference, right? Hopefully. That's that's, that's it. You know, we let's encourage people. Uh, you know, sometimes all the challenges that we're facing in the world around us can seem so insurmountable, you know, and, and, yes. and you know, it, I think it's important for people to realize that each person can make a difference. And they absolutely it just yes. one person can make a difference in another person's life and we can pay it forward. And if we all do that collectively as a body, uh, you know, we can, you know, have tremendous impact in our nation yes. and help people. That's and right. we, we desperately need hope and encouragement. And so, uh, and thank you so much for taking time to be with us today. And uh, just, you know, once again, that your, your generosity of time, I really look forward to having you in at one of 
of our events in the near future. And certainly would love to have you back on the podcast to dig, dig deeper. There's so much more stuff about uh, you building this great, awesome company, uh, Auntie Anne's Pretzels. And so for our listeners, we're going to, I know I'm, I'm so disappointed. We're having to cut it short right here. It's short. We've probably been going for, it looks like maybe uh, well over an hour, hour and 15 minutes. But we are going to, uh, uh, we will have Auntie Anne back on this program once again uh, to, to, to dig deeper. But uh, until next time, make sure you go out and get the book. Make sure you give a great review on Amazon. Share it with friends and family. I'm your host, Bob Dickey. This is Taking the Leap Podcast, and I hope that you thoroughly enjoyed this episode today, as did I. Go forth and make a difference in our country. God bless you guys. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to the Taking the Leap Podcast with your host, Bob Dickey. You can keep up with the latest on the podcast at www.takingtheleappodcast.com and bonvera.rocks. You can also find the podcast on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, or wherever fine podcasts are distributed. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time on Taking the Leap.